What would the black box tell us about the Burr? Since it has a record of any ship's last moments, every vessel destroyed by the burn should have stopped recording at the same microsecond, but the two that I found in my ear here didn't. If both found a third one out there, and it shows the same variance, that means the burn didn't happen all at once. Suggesting what? Suggesting the bird had a point of origin. And we can triangulate the data from the boxes to locate it. We have got to get to Hunau. I'm so sorry, Michael, but at the moment, we cannot. Welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnik, and with me salvaging old Starfleet relics are... Bill Boy One. Adam Bowen. Emily Bowen Marler. Strange New Takes is a Star Trek themed pod that's supposed to be covering strange new worlds, but with so much new Trek already, we're jumping in a little early. Today, we're super excited to bring you our strange new takes for the latest, latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, Scavengers. But before we get there, we want to encourage you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, make sure to tell your friends to listen to us. We super love getting strange new listeners from all over the world. Your recommendations are the best way to introduce new people to our podcast. And don't forget that if you give us a five-star rating on iTunes, not only do I read it on the podcast, as I'm about to do, because we got one. Look at that. Thank you, whoever you are out there. I haven't scrolled down to see who it was yet. Oh. Uh, but also, people searching for Star Trek podcasts to listen to will find it because your ratings help us get a little bit higher on the podcast discovery list. So thank you for doing that. Uh, here is the other one, my not-so-strange take by Nuts VT. My not-so-strange take is that this podcast is super fun and I enjoy it very much. The large and diverse cast of characters is like a real-life Trek episode. While all the hosts are clearly passionate lovers of Star Trek and pick up on all the positive nuances of the episodes that they dive into, they're not afraid to pick it apart and criticize when necessary. I look forward to tagging along on the rest of their voyage. Thank you, Nuts VT. I know who this is. Uh, it's It's somebody who's... An awesome list for also someone who used to listen to the soccer podcast I used to do. And I, oh, I don't nice. know if he, if he wants me to name him on the pod, so I'm not going to do that right now. But thank you for <laughs> nice. giving us this this great review. You know who you are. And I appreciate Woo-hoo! you for listening along and, and joining on this on this journey. So thanks yeah, so much. Yeah, that's super awesome to hear. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's nice when it's not one of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100% agree on that. Uh, so just as a heads up, uh, we are going to be jumping deep into spoiler territory with our episode here. Uh, the one that we're talking about is Scavengers, but uh, so if you have not seen that episode, uh, then probably go ahead and put a pause on here and go watch that. If you don't care, uh, join us and we'll spoil all sorts of everything for you, and it'll be amazing. Join us. All right. Well, Scavengers. I tried to find another rapper to this episode was named after or their album couldn't so all i got is a summary that adam has helpfully put into the notes would you like imdb or memory alpha or would you like me to make up a summary it looks like both of them are copy pastes of each other 
Oh, oh okay. All right. Well, I'll just, I'll just, let's, let's, two votes. That overrides me making them up. So making one up. So after receiving a message from Book, Burnham and Giorgio embark on a rogue mission to find him, leaving Saru to pick up the pieces with Admiral Vance. Meanwhile, Stamets forms an unexpected bond with Adira. All right. Uh, so this episode was written by Anne Kofel Saunders, directed by Douglas Aronofs, Aronofsky, do I pronounce that correctly? In my head, I've always just said Ar- Aronofsky, but now that I actually have to say it into a mic, that's not appropriate. So, anyway, the in-universe date is 3189. I did see Michelle Paradise talking about this episode on the ready room, so it's. I would imagine that, that she and others in the writer's room probably had something to do with the writing as well. So, anyway, your strange new takes, por favor... Okay, I'll go first. <clears throat> so the other day, I was uh, at the liquor store buying beer, and I had a realization. I think my conception of the relative status of cans and bottles has totally flipped. I was <laughs> I was looking at all the different beer, and I was like, oh, that one is in a bottle. That's, like, not as good. But, like, 10 or 15 years ago, like, the crappy beer came in a can, and you really wanted the bottles. So I don't know when when that switch happened for me, but my, my beer world has been turned upside down. Yeah, I, uh, I noticed the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, regarding Star Trek, I I almost have nothing to say, which is my a strange new take in and of itself. I thought this episode <laughs> was kind of meh. All right, uh, I guess I'll, I'll I'll take us take us in. Uh, uh, I have a, a, a special request for my strange new take uh, from Bill over here that I talk about chickens again. So uh, the the strange new take this week is that uh, I'm trying to figure out how to weave this into a take, but uh, essentially uh, be, be on the lookout when you're, uh, when it turns dark enough for your auto door to close because one of your chickens might be stranded. I was luckily in my kitchen at the time and could hear chick and could hear Dragonette. Uh, starting to yell about danger, uh, which uh, I then went out to rescue her, and she was just by herself, uh, sad in the run, uh, and everyone else was asleep without her. So she was very upset about that. So I had to rescue the poor girl and uh, put her into the coop, tell her she was a good girl, and then uh, I said goodnight to everybody. So that's my strange new take for the episode. Um, uh, In terms of Star Trek... Uh, I guess I'll, I'll just g- give the very brief thing of uh, I, I think this one gave us a little bit more context for the previous episode. I think some of my reads might have been a bit inc- a bit wrong uh, in terms of that maybe we should think of, of Starfleet as a sinister organization right now. Uh, I think I think that Vance is not a bad Merle, uh, and that is my strange new take. All right, my strange new take is that you only need to be carrying three cards in your wallet and there shouldn't be anything else in your wallet driver's license one charge card maybe one membership card to a gas station or costco or target or wherever else you're gonna go and that's it you don't you really don't need anything else if you're gonna go somewhere else you should have thought about it and carry the other stuff like 
take it like specifically add it to your wallet but anything else you're just adding weight to your life and that's bad all right <laughs> so uh now now you know last week we talked about how die Tryin in many ways embodied 50 cents acclaimed <laughs> debut album get richer die Tryin. And i'm gonna say that scavengers in many ways embodies basketball star shaquille o'neal's first failed rap album shaq fu in in its conception and really this episode should have been called shaq fu because then <laughs> i could have made a lot of jokes about how terrible shaq fu was and it would weave perfectly into the narrative of my narrative about this episode as well so but i'm going to hold the rest for a few minutes when we get into story and writing so uh with that i'll just i'll just i'll just leave it there <laughs> well i i have a new strange new take because i totally disagree with you notch you clearly don't have my brain <laughs> because that would not work for me just having two or three cards in my wallet because i i'm the person that like cuts out the coupons and sticks them on the counter so that i remember to take them and then i never remember to take them until i'm at the store and i'm like oh that great coupon that was going to get me a dollar 50 off a gallon of gas is not with me and i have already put all 150 dollars worth of groceries on the on the belt so yeah that wouldn't work for me so my strange you take is take all the cards with you this is why women carry purses and i ne think come more... in next week new podcast on purses and wallets right yeah, here hey and Same i crew. yeah and i mean i think everyone sh i don't think purses should be like a gendered thing i think we all just need to have our yeah adam here you go i can always we... count on my brother here we go <laughs> well <laughs> I, I want a quick aside. Sorry to delay your Star Trek take, you know. but uh, Eastern Europe, everybody, like all the dudes, carry these like little sling shoulder bags. Yeah, it's it's just a smart. thing. Yeah, it, it and and it's like it is one of those things that it's it's not even like a thing that anyone thinks about. It's just everywhere. So it makes a lot of sense. I agree with you. Anyway, sorry. And my strange new take for the episode. I want to know why they're trying to make me not like Burnham when I really liked Burnham. Like mm -hmm. I, I, people would complain about her and I didn't agree with those complaints and mm -hmm. wow, I was a little disappointed in Burnham this episode. So I just, I remember I just turned to my husband. I was like, what are they doing? So there's my strange new take. Well, why don't we just springboard off that right into story and writing, which is the, the I, I was, I was writing this summary in the notes i was like what should the first point of this story and writing be and i just wrote space adventures of michael burnham absolutely independent adventurer who absolutely did not take an oath to obey orders and didn't just weeks ago agree to be the first officer of discovery yeah so so emily can you tell me what the writers are doing i don't know it's the thing that's also really aggravating about this is they had burnham go on the bridge when she first got back to discovery and say, there's no question, Saru, you're the captain. But clearly there was, I mean, clearly Burnham just wants Discovery to commandeer and go do all of the discovering that she wants to do about the burn. She doesn't actually want someone to be issuing orders that might be in line with what Starfleet and the Federation needs help with. She just wants to commandeer the ship for her own purposes to find, and, and I'm not saying her own purposes are bad, but she should not have given up the captaincy then if that's 
if that's the way she was going to behave. She she had as much right to say, no, I really think I should be captain. You know, like they could have had a conversation about it. But no, no, Saru, I want you to do it so that I can undermine every single decision that you make and ignore every single order you give me. Well, and Not something bad. that's interesting off of that is like we're we're in a very different storyline now because of that. Like if, if she had been captain, maybe we wouldn't even be thinking of discovery as part of the new Starfleet or Federation. I don't, I don't know if she would have joined them as readily. Uh, it, and the sort of the insubordination stuff might've gone uh, instead felt that Vance might've felt that the entire discovery crew was against, uh, against him and being insubordinate. Whereas at least now it's isolated into Burnham. So like maybe that's part of what's happening here. But I I, I agree that the, uh, what's interesting to me about this is is I, I get this insubordination actually a lot more than the insubordination that everyone like put her into prison for in the first season. Uh, honestly, I think that she should have fired on the on the Klingons and that might have prevented the war. Uh, for some reason, we blame uh, Michael Burnham for causing the war and then all of these other things. When uh, I'd, I'd, the thing that I at least appreciated about this is I understood where Vance was coming from and where Saru was coming from. Like, yeah, Michael, you you did a bad thing, uh, and uh, yeah, maybe we need to look into a, this being a pattern. I, I guess the question here is this: which is, are we mad at the writers for writing? And when I say we, I mean me and Emily at this point. Um, <laughs> are, are, we, are we mad at the writers for writing Burnham like this? Or are we mad at Michael Burnham for being Michael Burnham? And I don't know if there's a simple answer for that. You know, like, because this this is what she's been written to do, right? Like, she can't let Book just... If Book's missing, she has to go after him. So, like, as a source of tension, I guess it makes sense. Bill, Bill you got some feelings? Yeah, that, that, that's a good way to look at it. My beef was that was not that they did it on its merits, like having a, a officer go rogue and be insubordinate. I have no problem with that. And actually, it's kind of interesting because in other series, especially TOS, it happens all the time. And basically, there are no consequences. It's almost like, uh, you know, rewarded, which just maybe not realistic but my, my beef is that it just feels like we've been here before like this is like season one all over again and i guess burnham has she she's developed a personality which is great you know but she's still you know insubordinate and impulsive and it feels like in that sense she hasn't developed as a character but but yeah your your take notch i think is a maybe a better way to look at it yeah it's it's i i I struggle to think what could have gone differently in this episode. So I think for me, sometimes maybe that's some of my frustration with the writers, which you're hinting at also, is that I wish there was a slightly like more fresh conceit, you know? There was, there was a different way to get us into the situation. Maybe Burnham's in trouble because she refused to be on Discovery at all. She's like, oh, it's been a year. I'm sorry, y'all. I got to go with Book. And then Discovery, as a crew, has to like be insubordinate and go save her. Mm-hmm. instead of this you know redux of like burnham going rogue i will give the give the writers credit for actually getting her busted down to whatever she's uh, chief science officer which you know massive demotion there yeah uh, <laughs> but, but um it's uh 
so, so, so at least there was that. And I, I also will give credit to the writers for subverting expectations with Vance. Uh, Adam, you touched on this, which is that he's he adds some complexity to the Starfleet upper echelons, which, aside from Captain Pike, have all been, like, bad morals for the most part. And his line where he's like, you should have come to me with this. Like, maybe I could have, like, worked with you on it. <laughs> uh, at least that's his implication. I don't know if he would have. But, like, I, I like that he wants his officers to approach him rather than just, you know, uh, being Feel yes like people. like need to break the rules, yeah. Yeah, and, so. and, and it's also nice that he... Um, it seems like he he will talk straight with you in terms of uh, like if 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 what you're suggesting is dangerous or a bad idea, he's going to give you most of the reasons why it might be. Occasionally, he might say, "No, you don't get to ask questions about why I'm going to gut the crew and uh, put you all in time prison." But uh, <laughs> since then, he has been a bit more reasonable. Yeah, I think I read somewhere. Um... By the way, Time Prison r- reminded me of the Lower Decks prison episode, quote-unquote. And I read, I think on Reddit somewhere that someone said that basically Burnham is like a more serious version of Mariner. And I agree. Yeah. 100%. Uh, anyway. Well, and be- this total smarty pants kind of stuff, like knows everything, like ridiculous amount. I was thinking that last week. <laughs> yeah. Although, although I, I will say, I, I think Lower Decks uh, didn't try as hard to make mariner the solution to every single possible problem in the show like yes she was the, one of the main characters but she wasn't like shoehorned as often well dinah was taking issue with how mariner would get away with a lot of stuff in just about every episode though so like oh, for, maybe, yes, maybe sure. there is some you know kernel there but um i i want to i want to go off the subverting of expectations trope because they didn't do that anywhere else in this episode. I don't know about y'all. I saw, like, every single thing in this coming from a mile away. Like, the, literally the only thing that I think... Other thing that subverted my expectations was every, all the people, like, the transport ship actually warping out rather than getting, like, shot down. When Book was like, we're all getting out of here in a transport oh, yeah. ship, I promise. I was like, that's gonna get shot down. Uh, no, it didn't, actually. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, he, he tells Ren, like, we're gonna get out of here. Ren gets shot immediately. Although I, I, w- I will say that they subverted my expectations in that Ren is not dead uh, at the end of this. Like what the, yeah. the moment that we saw that he was a sympathetic character, I said to my wife, uh, I've seen this movie before. The blue guy dies first. Uh, yeah, Travis said something similar. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, he did not. He's he seems to be fine now. So uh, Ren, by the way, played by Noah Averbuch, Kach, Kash, Kash. I, I, uh, cats, cats, cats. Sorry, I, for some reason I thought it was KCH. Why am I struggling with names so much on this podcast? I don't get it. <laughs> this is very bad. Anyway, Noah Averbrook Cats. He is a Star Trek fan himself. He's also the husband of Mary Wiseman, uh, who plays Tilly and the uh, post. He has from- a great face for an Andorian. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in, but he looked super cool. I thought. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Wonder if he can grow antennae uh, back. I know, I was I, wondering about that. Yeah, you guys, I, I normally don't care about canon stuff, but I this bugged me. I swear there is a Star Trek Enterprise episode where uh, Captain Archer fights Fran in like some fight to the death for some reason, yep. and he cuts off his antennae yep. to, as like a, a way to win without killing him. And then yep. they just grow back like pretty yeah. fast, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, that that did yeah. kind of bug me. 
<clears throat> well, we don't know that it won't grow back. We'll see, right? Like, well, we don't know that they did I, something really super torturous to it to make it like you know, so the cells couldn't regenerate. Yeah, yeah they might have like burned it or something. Yeah, I. Fine. Yeah, I, but I think they do say something <laughs> like they do say something like it, it happened to something that would suggest that it should have grown back, like it happened a long time ago or something. It, it was anyway, taken very seriously, whereas if it like grows back right away, you'd be like, that wasn't that much of a punishment. You're going to be uncomfortable. Right. For, you know, it sucks and it was torture, but like, you know, it's not a life ending. I will also take serious issue with the writing of romance on this episode <laughs> and emotional moments in particular. I've put a copy of my notes. Like these were actually like I was writing these as I was watching the episode and I put a screenshot and it starts like this. Why isn't Michael in the break? That happened when Michael's like walking into the turbo lift. Is she going to kiss him? Dot, dot, dot. Please no turbo lift boning. And to their credit, they did not bone in the turbo lift. No, don't press the button. That's when Book is reaching for the button to be like, I'm going to stop this lift so we can kiss. <laughs> and then, you know, I took issue with the pace being too fast. And then I, I was like, Linus should transport into the lift right now. And boom, like the second I stopped typing that, he was right there, called it. And then I, I wrote this. Oh, glad we get slow motion kissing montage from five different cameras with uh, a Star Trek theme tingling in the background and uh yeah i, I in terms of of calling it i then did say we need to make up for this by showing uh uh culver and paul and then they, they did appear they did not give five angles of kissing for them but i would you know i would accept that more yeah than <laughs> than than book and i mean like seriously though like it was just it was so ham-handed, like they're holding hands in the like torture facility, and then <laughs> they go into a turbo lift. I mean, just ah man, I it was handled very. And this is the problem, I think, which is the same issue I had with all the crying in the end of the episode. I feel like, and this has happened in Discovery before. There's like this really emotional moment where, like, usually Michael is saying something really emotional and powerful. And I'm just sitting there being like, I don't vibe with this emotion. I don't, I like Discovery. I like Discovery. I'm not a Discovery hater. But the, the like, parts that are written to be very emotional of the series, I just don't, they don't hit me. I don't know why. I have a thought to share about that, but I think I'm going to save it for when we do characters. But I have a thought, you know, I was criticizing Michael Burnham, but I just had some perspective done on me. So I'll okay. save it, though. So just help me remember mm. when we get to her character. But, but did y'all, did, did the rest of you vibe with the, the like, the, the part where they're all crying at the end? And, you know, Saru and Burnham are both, like, in tears. And, you know, the, we will find the answers we are all looking for, like. Well, so I guess I will, I guess I'll go ahead and say it now because, yes, because it just okay. dawned on me. So Michael is a responsibility hoarder, as they've named her, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think Michael could have said anything but yes to being Saru's first officer, which I find infuriating because she clearly does not want to behave as the first officer. She wants to go off and do her own thing. Um, but I can totally sympathize with feeling like you have all of these responsibilities and so you try to find a way to juggle all of them and it just ends up being a total devastating mess at the end of it because it's not possible to juggle all of those things. And so I think perhaps that was kind of what was happening in that last scene. I don't, I don't know that for a fact, but um, just feeling that 
deep disappointment in yourself that you weren't able to hold all of the things that you really felt you needed to be able to hold. And that just kind of spilling over into, you know, and, and knowing like, like, yeah, you know what? I totally deserve this. And I totally failed you. And I, I disobeyed orders and I need to face the consequences. And I'm just, it just sucks so much because I really thought I could do it all. And I just can't. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I, I don't know if I got the, all the nuance that you did from that, but I, it's, I, I was pretty much there with them. Like it, okay. it, it did feel like a, like I understood why she was being demoted and it, it, it did seem like a very impactful like character moment. And so, so like I, um, I get where you're coming from, Notch, in terms of, like, not always feeling there. Like, for me, a lot of the, like, stand-up speeches for, like, we are the Federation, and we're going to hold to our ideals, and, like, we're going to get this one done, and it's because of us. I believe in us. Like, it, all that stuff seems, like, super hokey when it happens in Discovery, and like, occasional, uh, I will think, like, am I... Like, do I not remember this about TNG, or was TNG just as hokey? I think the answer is it was just as hokey. But uh yeah okay okay all right um yeah i'll, I'll keep an eye out. i'm gonna try to keep more open mind to the emotional moments and just i think become less i think i've also become more cynical just in general uh 2020 maybe it's caused some of this cynicism so we'll see i'll try to keep a more open mind uh now one of the other thing the writers have tried to do in this episode is try to provide some way to add value to the Culber coming back storyline from last year. Like the fact that they, they brought him back in the way that they did. I think that the, the Stamets-Adira moments and the conversation that Culber and Stamets had after that, I think it, it, it it's a way to allow that as previously written aspect of the story to have some impact or like be relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, at least that was my take on the situation. It it also opens them up to uh, resurrecting uh, Gray out of mushroom space, which I kept shouting at the screen uh, during this episode about because uh, it it kind of seemed like they like he was even saying like oh and it just reminds it reminded me about what happened to you in mushroom space and it gives me ideas of something that I might do to help her by pulling Gray out of mushroom space and. Yeah. Why don't we just pull everybody who's dead out of mushroom space? Let's get Senadal back. You know, yeah, let's I get like the Burnham's other Philippa Giorgio better. So let's right. get her. Let's bring yeah. Prime Lorca. Right. Yeah. Lorca was pretty cool. Uh, you know, in fact, let's just pull everybody who died in the burn back out of mushroom space, too, right? We there just we solved the we problem. Season three, y'all. It's done. We just wrote a better <laughs> ending. Who wants to watch the rest? Not me. Uh, okay, no, I do want to watch it. Uh, speculation time. Someone put this into the notes. as either Emily or Adam. Who will be the new first officer? That that was me. So I, I have four candidates, I think. Um, I don't know if anyone has, has any that they're super excited to tell me about. Uh, I will pause for five seconds. I just thought Nilsson. I thought they'd done yeah. a couple things with her that made me think she was going to be, I don't know. Yeah, so I I, I, I agree with the Nilsson uh, one just because, yeah, we've we've seen her literally in the captain's chair when, like, important things are happening. Uh, the other, the, if they want to go with the Stoop Star Trek 2009 feel, I feel like we could go for uh, uh, Lieutenant Commander Ensign Tilly. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, there's a possibility of um, 
uh, maybe a bit of a weirder take would be we've we've been setting up. So at least my understanding of like what the first officer, if if they are like the XO in terms of what they're supposed to be good at, is like knowing what everyone's duties are, what mm-hmm. people are good at. Uh, uh, then Culber would be an interesting take. I I I would love that. I don't think they will do it. Um, instead, Culber will tell somebody else that I've all the <laughs> things that they should do uh, as the first officer. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then my fourth one was Paul Stamets, but I don't think he should be it. So I, so I have a different take. <clears throat> I think it would be interesting if they got someone from the future, a new character, or maybe Willa. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Oh man. That was actually more like, inter- like conflict in terms of like people who are experienced and people who aren't in terms of like how the new world works. Right, and you could imagine there would be some mistrust, like are they spying for Admiral Vance, but then they would actually develop a close relationship and end up working well together, you know, I don't know. And, and we are operating, cool. at, we're operating at 50% crew capacity, so we could put uh, another 100 uh, future Maquis onto this ship and uh, just reboot Voyager entirely. Well, and it seems like there aren't very many highly ranked officers on Discovery. And I don't know if it's just Mm -hmm. that I don't know how to read who what all the ranks are. But I mean, I really felt like the only high ranking officers were Burnham and Saru, like the rest of them were lieutenant or lower is kind of the way it seemed to me. Yeah, Nan would have been a obvious choice, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We just got rid of her for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which that's why they had to get rid of her. Is because yeah. she would make such an obvious choice. Because she was a commander, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I and I guess she probably wouldn't have been as interesting as a first officer uh, in terms of like the dynamics of the new show. By the way, have any of you noticed how speaking of Nan, the chief security officer on Discovery is kind of like the drummer in the spinal in Spinal Tap? Like bad things always happen to them. Like, the first one was that, like, uh, person played by Rekha Sharma. Uh, Ellen Landry, that's right. Uh, classic name. Yeah. <laughs> um, she died. <laughs> then there was Ash Tyler, you know, another mm-hmm. classic Indian guy. Um, yeah. And he died. Well, not died. Well, did he die? No, he, he, was, he, was, he was already dead. And then, and he, became, then he realized he's a thing. Uh, so um, are we setting up Sawhill? <laughs> no, he's got to change his name to Bob first, and then he'll become chief security exactly. officer. But um, you know, it, it was it was uh, it was Nan who's now left, and yeah, so it's it's just a post that doesn't need to be filled. You know, it needs to not be them. But I, I like your speculations on uh, on the on the first officer question. I like it. I, I I'm I'm gonna I'm, I hope it's what Bill is saying. It is. That would be fun. Let's talk we- about. Yeah. Sorry, one last thought. And then we can imagine that Burnham will become the first officer again in like three episodes. Right. <laughs> Please. Don't. No, I'm serious. It's, it's right. This is this is a temporary demotion. Or will or, she end up being the captain? Or maybe. They could, yeah. Uh, yeah. Saru could. They could kill Saru as like the ultimate like audience Game of Thronesy moment, huh? How about that? I, I would cry. Emily is shaking her head. No, yeah, so that's really good podcasting. Sorry. Although, although we haven't had this season's uh, episode where the the preview for next next week, we're definitely killing Saru this time because that they they have done that twice already. So yeah, we'll see. 
All right, all right. Expansion to the world of Trek before we take a break here. Uh, first up, it was the question about the burn that uh, this that prompted this whole episode was the bl- these black boxes. We find out what, what Burnham's been collecting. That previous, uh, I think it was in episode three, we see her handing getting handed something with a NCC ship name on it. And turns out it was a black box, which is but why it looks Burnham- like a scon- sonic screwdriver. Right, which, which she has to zoom off to, to find with book. But it leads to a realization at the end of this episode. Person who put this in the notes. This is me pointing at you. What? What? To, what? To okay, what so I, I can't. I honestly can't remember the realization at the end of the episode. That I, I know that the point of this was to find out if it wasn't instantaneous. Was that at the end? I can't remember. It was towards the end. Yes. I, okay. I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the. Um, at least in terms of finding things on like planet earth, you tip, uh, you typically need like three different signals to bounce off of each other in order to triangulate, uh, uh, where something happened. I think they might be thinking that we need three in order to do, th- do that. I feel like you might actually need four plus, but, uh, we'll see, uh, how that ends, ends up working. Uh, we, we saw the first black box or, or maybe the first or second in the third episode, um 4774 yeah so uh this uh yeah we we might be learning soon about uh an actual origin for the burn which i I think is definitely more plausible and interesting if it has like a cause like that than something some somehow something happened instantaneously everywhere just seems a little weird to me Control was ahead of discovery in the time loop, and it came out of the of the, of the wormhole. And <laughs> then Ash Tyler and and Volk are back as well, and but they've been you know, separated now. It, it was it, it, Mirror Universe Lorca worked with Control to do it. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, okay. Discovery got some retrofits. Did y'all? How did y'all like that sequence? Were there particular things that appealed to y'all about it? Yeah, I thought it was kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. look at all yeah, these cool I, gadgets we got. Everybody's happy about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, cool. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting it, us to just have like uh, the A at the end of uh, Discovery's registry number. So that was that was cool. That I still totally don't... missed that. Good lord. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I still don't get the reverse or the the detachable nacelles although i think maybe they're going to be reversible kind of like how uh uh book's ship can like reconfigure itself in order to Mm. basically just turn around so i think we'll probably have some sort of shot of like discovery warping in and being like oh shit we shouldn't do that and then the nacelles will flip (laughs) around and then they'll warp back out but so but but discovery spins around when it does a black alert now will the nacelles be stationary while the ship is flipping you know Oh, that's what I'm curious about. You guys ever think about what it's like to be a crew member out on the outer ring when they do black alert? <laughs> like your, your room just starts spinning around. <laughs> Damn it, you it guys. Seems, it seems kind of problematic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can we stop this, please? I need some drama. Right. I mean, I guess the, the, that's why it, why it has the whole alert is you need to like Velcro yourself to the nearest wall so that right. you're... You don't like it's. They don't give them much time. The the, the periphery of the ship is just entirely made of Nerf Velcro, right? (laughs) But uh, we we saw console upgrades on the bridge. Everybody gets new badges that are 
everything. They have a tricorder, they have a pad in there, which is not needed anymore because you just have your personal like hollow device showing you information. Uh, they've got personal pads. transporter. Yeah, they've yeah. been with us since the beginning. Right, right. Pour one out for the pad. Uh, and and we also saw uh, moving along with the other expansion things as as Vance walks into his office at the end of the episode, some screens blink out of existence. Taking a screenshot of that, we see a map on the left that has the labels Ferengi territory, Cardassian zone, Klingon zone, danger Emmer- zone, and. <laughs> it would be right, right? And a highway to it, also <laughs> illustrated on the map. <laughs> right? Uh, that would be great if, like, Goose didn't die. He's, like, in the future now, riding Space F-14s in the 32nd century. But anyway, uh, we also see the label the Emerald Chain on this map. So that, that's, that's of course, the Orions and the Andorians. Um, so, so, basically, the... The territory of the old federation has been broken up among some of its, well, some constituents. Well, were the Cardassian, Ferengi, and Klingons ever part of the federation in, in the twenty fourth century? I don't think so. I think I those don't think four, so. right? So yeah, there's definitely maybe in like TNG season one, or there's some point in which they say, well, now that Klingons have joined the federation, and then they just uh, kind of retcon it or forget about it later on. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well. Uh, they are. They definitely control a zone now. If we'll see if that gets retconned in the future. We also see the schematics of the Voyager J on the right side of Vance's office. It's an Intrepid class ship, much like the Voyager. No alphabet. <laughs> Voyager Prime. Voyager Prime. I like it. I like it. I'll take it. Uh, kind of interesting to see how the classes have the same name, but uh, we'll we'll just go with that. Uh, we, we find the planet Hanhao, which was fun because uh, throughout the whole episode, I was like, are they saying what I think they're saying? Hanhao in Chinese, and I'm not doing the uh, accent properly on the uh, middle letter in, in each of the each of the words, but it means very good. So it's a very it's good a com- planet. It's, it's as I recall from my Mandarin classes, it is. It's you like get asked like how are you and you can be like Han Hao like I'm I'm very good, but that don't don't quote me on that I might be wrong anyway that's where that came from, Han Hao has uh, exploding head perimeter defenses you know oof that was expansion grim. to the world of Trek yeah, yeah. what did you say Emily it was grim it was very grim I saw that in the preview for last week's episode and I was wondering if they'd have a sharpshooter making that guy's head explode but didn't happen uh we met space justin bieber uh <laughs> tolor the orion uh played by ian lake ian lake has been in the art of racing in the rain and a bunch of other random stuff for a few years so he's done some things and uh we also heard about tolor's what was it aunt was it a sister yeah aunt aunt yeah, because yeah, so. what's what's so special about being a nephew or something like that? Right, exactly. So it's Osira, who we didn't meet. And this is, you know, one of those Chekhov's gun situations where, like, you think we're going to meet Osira at some point in the future and hear from her? I wonder. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, uh, turns out Ren is Osira. Okay. All right. Let's take a break over here. We'll come back and talk about character development notes that we've got about this episode. You could have gotten us killed. Don't you think I know that? Then tell me what's going on. 
know, do you? Philippa, how long has this been happening? A couple of weeks, and it's getting more severe. You could have come to me. I could have helped. Until I understand what's going on, there's nothing to ask for. That's not true. Discovery is filled with people. You will tell no one. This isn't the Terran universe. A vulnerability is not a death sentence. You're not alone. Get through this. Trust me. I remember another Michael Burnham telling me to trust her. She looked just as sincere as you do now. Oh, you know how that Welcome back to Strange New Takes. We forgot about memorable moments, which we had previously moved earlier in our show. We decided to do that last week. So let's do that right here. Uh, Tilly and Grudge hanging out, I think, has got to be one of my favorite kind of awkward Tilly moments so far in a series. Uh, I think when she asked Garage, did you eat Michael Burnham? That was great. Although, <laughs> were you all surprised to hear Tilly's not a cat person? That was so, I was like... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I I was a little upset with, with the character writing for Tilly there because she's supposed to be allergic to everything and I feel like that would make you uh, not only not a cat person, but not have the cat in your, like, room <laughs> if she, like, right. needs a special pillow uh, and, like, can't have a roommate. I forgot that about her. Yeah. I think Burnham left Grudge in Tilly's care because Tilly seemed a little surprised to see Grudge there. So Just another reason why we, we don't... Uh, Burnham just keeps doing things that are bad and, and we shouldn't that's like her why, anymore. That's why Tilly threw her under the bus. She's like, you just got, you got to punish her. <laughs> it was totally because Grudge was left in her quarters. <laughs> and she was like, damn you, Michael. Well, fine. I'm not going to defend you to Saru. Tilly is showing her Achilles side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, other memorable moments that y'all had? I, I love that uh, <clears throat> when Giorgio and Burnham go to the planet, initially they say that they're looking for self-stealing stem bolts. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> self-stealing stem bolts. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's a reference to DS9, right? It's right. in so many. It's all over the place. Yeah, it's. But like it's a the, big one in DS9 because yeah. of the, is it the NoJ Consortium? They're trying to sell like packages and packages and packages of self-stealing stem bolts. And there's a great story that Aaron Eisenberg would tell because he couldn't say self-stealing stem bolts with his uh, teeth. In his mouth. So it took like 17 takes for him to get through the scene. And then when he finally got the words out, uh, Sirach Lofton forgot his line. (laughs) It's just, anyway, it's really funny though. I was actually reading about, uh, just a side note, I was reading about the episode where the two of them end up in like the the Defiant class ship uh, behind enemy lines with like all those red, red squadron cadets. And I want to watch that episode now again. Him, both the Jake Sisko and Nog end up there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, any other memorable moments in this episode? I, yeah, go ahead. I, I just love all the the jokes about, they're basically like your mama's so fat jokes about grudge. Like in Georgia, what does she say? She's like, oh, the she calls uh, uh, book like the 
blob master oh, the, or yeah, the, uh, oh yeah blob she's whisper. like oh yeah transforms aren't blobs she's like no i was talking about grudge you know <laughs> <laughs> oh <Yeah>. man <laughs> poor grudge just, just, just keeps getting it yeah <laughs> i i agree with book she's a queen <laughs> oh yeah that is a very stately cat like especially yeah. the cheek hairs are like anyway. seriously like yeah, yeah. Very, her very, whole face very, very well his cat. face actually i think it's male cats that that play play grudge but you know uh it, it's just one though there's just, there is just one cat oh it i is. thought there were two cats is there no i think it's just the same one who could because that cat has a twitter account and uh-huh. uh but uh i will also give a shout out to all of the dialogue written for giorgio in this episode i appreciated the way she was able to just pull one on everybody it was super fun to hear her kind of manipulate Tolar uh beautifully and I, I i think that that's one reason why you know some of us were like why is Giorgio back this season like maybe she should have been left behind and just having her here for that is kind of fun so let's move on to talking about character development i think we should start with nilson oh wait no linus just transported in so we've got to talk about linus <laughs> first <laughs> figure out how to use your damn badge linus right <laughs> Uh, they actually talked about Linus's uh, creation in the ready room this week because they had the creature designer for Discovery in uh, in in the ready room. So go watch that. You get some behind the scenes shots and and impressions about how creature design has changed since Michael Westmore's day as well. Uh, but seriously, talking about Nelson, y'all talked about Nelson earlier being a potential first officer, and we actually got to see Nelson in charge during what could have been a crisis early on in the episode. So when I believe it was when Book Ship shows up, basically, I believe they, they like... Well, they said it was like she was the one that was being hailed, is what it made it sound like, because I thought, oh my gosh, why would someone be hailing her? I thought it was going to be like a long-lost ancestor or descendant. It's Arium. Descendant, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Fresh and out control. of mushroom space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, man. You know what I want? I want Control to show up again, except it's Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Mr. Freeze, and we get those horrible Mr. Freeze buns for the rest of season three. I would be 100% okay with that. Anyway, anyway. Um, have you all watched that? There's like a 10-minute supercut of just Mr. Freeze in that one Batman movie making horrible puns. Oh, I need Ice. to watch this right now. Ice to meet you is my favorite. Anyway, anyway. Uh, okay, so 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 that was fun. We saw control. Uh, Nilsson having having some <laughs> crisis moments. Not control. No control. Never control. No control. Yeah. Okay. So Burnham, Michael Burnham. Let's talk about let's talk about characters from plot point. Uh, the A plot first. What did we learn about Michael Burnham? So apparently she had a ship, but we've never seen it. And uh, but it's used as justification that uh, she she doesn't love here. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I want to see what other what that other ship is, and why did she throw it in the trash? Because did she show up in that first episode where she shows up to save Discovery? Which ship is she in at that point? I think she's that with Book. Yeah, she's with yeah. Book. Okay. Okay. And so. she's also like with Book, like chatting through like all of her intro and whatnot. So yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I wonder, they have the scene where they're showing the um, progression of time via mm-hmm. her hair, and she's sitting in like a, 
it looks like she's sitting in a cockpit maybe or i don't oh. know if she's sitting in a cockpit but i feel like that was a different set than book ship okay. yeah you might be right i possibly mm. or it was different from the other things we've seen on book ship if yeah, it was still on book ship. that's a good point during that sequence or that montage mm-hmm. or whatever they show a scene they, they imply that she's not with book the entire time yeah and there's a scene actually i'm just re- remembering this now where she's on a planet kind of like a desert looking planet and i think you see her getting a um a black box right yeah yeah, right. yeah. that's the one that emily so said she's not with him. Oh, got it. Okay. Seven, yeah yeah four but but she's not with book in that scene i don't think so right, they do right. show mm-hmm. they do show that she's independent of him at times so I thought, I, yeah, I really didn't um, think much of this episode, but my favorite part was the relationship between Burnham and Giorgio. And I think you do see it develop a little bit. And I like actually the back and forth where they're ribbing each other and and Burnham is like, all right, let's go down to the planet before I strangle you. Um, mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought that was nice. And then at the end, after the fight sequence where Giorgio blacks out again, I think, you know, Giorgio is just starting to open up a little bit before she, mm-hmm. you know, shuts Burnham down. And um, mm-hmm. so I hope they continue to explore that and that Giorgio does become less um, mustache twirling. <clears throat> because, I mean, it's fun for a little while, but if you really want her to be a serious character, they need to make her more multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I do. Th- I have one of the things that I appreciate about this episode is it it made me feel better about having Giorgio as a regular character. Like we're, we're getting into like, uh, we even have that moment where, yeah, she says something pretty devastating to Michael in terms of like, uh, Oh, you know what happened? Like, you know what happened the last time I trusted a Michael Burnham, but, right. uh, it's like, you know, that Giorgio probably also feels bad a little bit about what she just said. And like, like th- th- it was complex when she said that, and it wasn't just out of, vindication like she she felt really hurt by that and is uh like trying to process that along with like losing out on any chance of going back to her old universe well and i'm just so i have no patience for baddies that are just baddies for the sake of being baddies like you gotta you gotta put some complexity in that character or some Mm -hmm. sort of vulnerability otherwise i'm just not interested i mean that's why ben linus was such a good villain in Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm lost it's it's why gold ducat is a good villain in ds9 because you have and even they even do it a little bit with kai win they do it more with gold ducat than kai win mm-hmm. i mean they're both so bad but they have moments where you're like huh okay i kind of understand what's going on there and you know and and you just you have to have moments like that otherwise it's just lame yeah, yeah. ducat is a great character but, but i think that's where they're going at least mm-hmm. I hope so with Giorgio and with the blackout yeah. thing. And I think they imply that Kovic like did something to her that has caused the blackouts. So l- uh, let's, let's move yeah, one one thing before we move to talking about Giorgio, I want to get across with Burnham is that the last mm-hmm. scene in this episode is Burnham taking off her badge. Cause it has also, it has the rank on there, but I wonder if it also implies something else about what we're going to see. Uh, very subtle oh. hint of things to come, I think. Uh, but anyway, uh, Giorgio has some visions. Did you all catch anything in these visions that was specific? Did, did any of you pause the the moment and try to see what, what she was seeing? So it, well, I was trying to decide who she's crying over anyway. But yeah, she keeps on saying San. Uh, I, that's possibly a name. I'm not a... Uh, 
not entirely sure how, what that would be a meaningful thing to say uh, in any language I'm, I, that I was able to Google. Um, but uh, the, I, I also saw what seems to maybe be a Klingon dagger, I, although it's possible that it could be um, one of the daggers that they have for the, um, the uh, Terran Empire. But I wasn't entirely able to see. But yeah, San, I think, is some dead person that she's sad about. But we've never heard of a San before. But could it have been Burnham? Like, Yeah, I, that's what because, I was kind of thinking. But And so maybe San is what Burnham, she calls Burnham? or Wasn't Burnham killed in the Mirror Universe? Like, they're, yeah. Yeah, but right? well, I think so, Burnham goes she disappeared. missing, right? right. Oh, oh, she disappeared. Okay. Were you going to say something, Bill? I jumped in on top of what you were saying. Oh, I... Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that the um, the visions or whatever take place in the mirror universe. And then, yeah, the, the San, I thought she was saying sun, but then I put the closed captions on and it's apparently San with an A. S-A-N? So who, who knows? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I, I saw the, the Klingon dagger. I also saw that there was some sort of pattern on the... Uh, there's like a body or something. There's, there's some sort of pattern that the uniform has and i couldn't i you know if i'd been smart before this i would have got us a screenshot from the moment in the episode oh. maybe as we we're talking about the rest i can just uh try to find something in in there yeah i, I, I just thought they were starfleet mind. deltas kind of like how the um they have starfleet deltas woven into the like the, the 2009 uniforms and i feel like the it's sides the of discovery the discovery universe yeah. yeah yeah they actually speaking of which they have a a uh, visual guide to or is it like a lookbook i forget exactly what the what the book is called but they essentially have like a the art and look of star trek discovery in a book that they've released and they talk about how they made the uniforms and things like that so that you can actually buy a book that will tell you how discovery's entire uh look came together so mm. yeah it's kind of neat that way um, but, uh, yeah, so, so Giorgio's having these visions, they've become increasingly common in the last few weeks, as we've heard. She seems very defensive about it. Uh, Bill, I like your call out that she is, I got that too, that she was, she and Burnham seem to be a little bit more open to discussing their feelings. Although I was very disappointed then at the end where she, again, she's like, ah, but screw you. I hate you because you betrayed me even and even though it was a completely different person and I should be smart enough to know that but anyway um that happened let's let's talk about book so for someone who was in the episode for so long i didn't really get a lot of vibes from book in terms of developing his character i mean he's we, we see he's truly han solo right like uh heart of gold he got caught. He probably got caught in the carbonite by a bounty hunter, and that's how he ended up in in Tolor's uh, prison, right? Yeah, pretty pretty much. But uh, I think yeah. he has more emotional depth than Han. But you know, than Han Solo. But what can you say? <laughs> <laughs> did you all? Did you, but did you? Did you? Did you think we learned anything else about Book in this episode that you all appreciated? Not really. He's yeah. a good guy. <laughs> yeah, it was like reinforcing that he's he's a good guy. He's independent, like doesn't want to bother other people with things. But I, I don't know. I think there's something in the fact that when he had to set up kind of his dead man's switch for his ship and his cat to, to go somewhere, if he didn't come back, it was to burn him. You mm -hmm. know, 
And I think that should have been our first signal that maybe this was the episode in which they were going to uh, bone in the turbo lift. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I guess I, I don't understand how it found her because the discovery went to these coordinates without him, right? Or did he, was he there? Uh, I don't think he was there. I I might be mistaken, but I think he yeah, was... Yeah, I think he left before, uh, left after the United Earth episode. Okay. Well, maybe the ship had a homing beacon on Burnham, or maybe Burnham sent a book yeah. assi- a signal being like, hey, we're gonna go here. Yeah. Although it's been, it's been, I think, like three weeks or something like that since Discovery got to the Federation, so maybe in between Bur- book had shown up. Burnham was like, yo, I can't hang out with you because of this stuff. And then he left again. Oh, yeah. It's it. I, I, we, this might be a security vulnerability that we need to put Burnham in the brig again for. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. So so the blue guy, we've talked about blue guy a little bit. Rin, uh, spelled R-Y-N. And Dorian, who is alive and in, in Discovery sickbay. Do you all have any speculation about what happens to this character? Because so far, all we learned is that Rin is kind of heart of gold, tries to help all the other people organize and like figure stuff out about how to get out of there. I mean, he's, he's, he's a... probably still got to die at some point, right? Like, gonna sacrifice himself at the <clears throat> end for something. <laughs> probably. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's cool that he'll be in the next episode, presumably, that they took him back. Um, he's got a sweet white Andorian mullet. He's yeah, a mullet. I like that. Oh yeah, he's got an awesome mullet. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, he and Senadal should hang out together. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, I I wonder if it's gonna be some ways like Rin will help in some ways make the um, uh, what's it called, the Andorians join the Federation, or if there's something there related to that, you know. Mm. Hmm. Or maybe they're finding ways to at least pull original alien species from the Federation into some sort of, you know. Yeah. If they're not pulling in the whole race, maybe they'll have. Yeah. Well, know, I mean, he, he could Earth be. Because Earth is not part of it. Andoria is not part of it. You know, so there's all these. You know, we haven't seen anything about Tellarites yet. And we haven't seen anything with Vulcans yet. So we've seen two right of the original founding species yeah uh, we have not yeah. seen any tellarites i believe so far so we shall see hey i found us the part of this episode where there's a flashback and i'm i it's bad podcasting i'm showing it to my fellow <laughs> podcasters here but uh there is no delta on that pattern that uh yeah, it's Giorgio... just, just texture they do seem to show a few ISS logos, though. In in, in yeah, there. and you see the Karen actually. The what? The US or the Karen? The or ISS Karen? Okay, I thought you said the Karen. I was like, George. I was like some white yeah. woman who yeah. calls the cops on. That's <laughs> gonna be the villain this season. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a, a sort Karen. Of... Oh, there's some sort of location that she's seeing in there as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and also there's a helmet on this Sun person that kind of looks like the Red Angel helmet. Huh. Oh, really? Yeah. This, like, this is all, these are all like single frame things that uh, Notch kept pausing <laughs> for us to look at, but yeah. 
Yeah, there's some... I, I bet if we, like, broke out all the frames, we'd be able to find some stuff. But uh, anyway, I was, I was uh, glad I was able to just quickly take a diversion there for a second. But uh, Adira finally comes back and someone isn't like, hey, we need to take you to do a bunch of stuff. And Adira's mm -hmm. like, yeah, sure, let's go. And then we don't see Adira again, so... Apparently, it wasn't too tra traumatizing what they did to her. Yeah, she didn't so get vivisected. Maybe they did just, yeah, they just they just did scans, maybe, so. They did not pick up that Grey is around, and so we see Adira is not hesitant to be talking to Grey in public, uh, you know, uh, for all of us who have sat in lunchrooms talking to ourselves because nobody sat with us, it was very affirming. That's right. That's right, people from my high school. I wasn't just hanging out by myself. I was talking to my imaginary boyfriend who was right there, and we had a great time. You guys can go screw yourselves for sitting at the other tables, okay? Just, just want to put that out there. Uh, totally I'm looking normal. forward to. F I'm looking forward to finding out more about Adira, though, because we don't we don't know anything about their full story yet right you know i mean we've had it it's been a whole part of the promos for season three but there hasn't been any indication of what how they're gonna do that anyway so i'm just curious to see how it's gonna play out we did see adira has been tinkering around in engineering and breaking stuff to, to try and fix it and uh we did get some moments of where where they express some sort of imposter syndrome uh, I forget the line now exactly, but it's something like, what, what makes you think I would have any value to add? And so mm. there's, there's a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Stamets, though, moving on to Stamets, I felt like we, we really, again, we've seen him do this with Tilly sometimes, but he's able to kind of really become that kind of mentor figure, uh, someone who's caring, someone who has emotional depth and isn't just, you know, kind of an ass. Uh, mm -hmm. and and that that very genuine connection i'm not sure i i kind of really connect personally with the whole like uh you know this mushroom space thing has now made me contemplate what it is to have a partner who passes away i it it's i don't know the the whole the whole aspect of pulling someone who's dead out of mushroom space still is just too much of a macguffin for me to to fully connect with this but it was i like that the writers made that connection and they were like oh this is these are two characters who can relate because of that so i'm keeping myself emotionally open to the growth that's going to happen here for both of them through this relationship yeah yeah it, it, it is one of those things that's like the way they state it is so like bizarre that you you don't quite understand like what like why is that an emotional thing that you need to like you can only share with one other person like Certainly there are people who have had uh, family members that have died or maybe that have gone into a coma for a long time. You've been worried about them or like, yeah, it's just. Or here's something I'm going to just subvert everything. Why do people need to have experienced something themselves in order to have empathy for the trauma that a person has experienced? You know, that's I mean, I mean, now it, I'm just pulling from real life. It's driving yeah, me it's crazy. The, the only way we can respect complete, women is uh, if yeah, we have is if uh, mothers a and sister daughters or and, a mother yeah. <laughs> or. Yeah. And um, but yeah. So, I mean, it's cool that they're doing that. But I also think, you know, I, I mean, I am I was capable of of recognizing the trauma of either having a sick child or losing a child before I had a child myself. Right. You know, like we can we can imagine um, 
the traumas of other people and have empathy for them or sympathy for them, even if we haven't personally experienced those ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, but just imagine though, if someone came up to you tomorrow and was like, I pulled my partner out of mushroom space. Yeah. It is it is difficult, I believe. I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, I've got a good imagination. So <laughs> yeah, I watched Star Trek. Right. I saw them on an episode of Star Trek. That's how I would <laughs> like well my um, my wife, I pulled her out of a quantum slipstream, so it's it's kind of the same. Uh, I don't know that I could quite get there. You don't know what through. it's like, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I I gotta I gotta give a shout out to the Stamets Gulber space pajama scenes. They are becoming <laughs> uh, what Enterprise's decon scenes were to Discovery, not in their titillation, but at least in their kind of like this is the moment where characters can just talk and like get to know one another, and there are, isn't gratuitous nudity involved. Mm -hmm. So. More yeah. of that, please. And you, I, you know they have matching pajamas, which is kind of nice. Yeah, and just you know, com in comparison to like Picard's pajamas or Beverly Crusher's pajamas, I think they're you know it's a better look. Yeah, yeah TNG guy. had some borderline uh, NC seventeen terrible pajamas. pajamas. I was yeah. gonna say Deanna's <laughs> white little pajama thing that she was wearing. Yeah. Well, also there's that guy f uh, who's played by uh, what is it, A. John Benjamin in the short trek, who turns <laughs> up in his tidy whities So. <laughs> 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 Uh, anyway, uh, moving along, um, we talked about Vance already not being a bad moral and, and being a reasonable person. We saw a little bit of this, the more of the challenges that he's been facing in this world where he's he's got to keep a ship that can do everything on standby because it can do everything and be helpful if they have problems. And, you know, he's got to send these ships on like months long missions to do simple things. Um I thought that was very interesting and in elaborating in stakes for him. Yeah, I, I continue to like Vance a lot. And I'm glad that we've reached a consensus that he's not a bad moral. However, <clears throat> would you guys say that he is actually more of a radmoral? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say so. I, I was I saving that one. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. We appreciate yeah, no, it. It's, it's well done. Uh, I, I think... I think he he is. Are there better admirals we've seen in Star Trek? I feel like he's one of the the most like interesting so far. Admiral Ross, I liked. Was um, that Cisco's guy in DS Nine? Yeah. yeah, he was. Well, fun. I was a, I was a big fan of. Now I've forgotten her name. Uh, the admiral in. Uh, yeah, Nechayev. Nechayev. Oh. Wait, I'm talking TNG. No, in in uh, oh. in season one of uh, Discovery. Um, Cornwall. 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 Like I, yeah, I think I she, her too. she was she was a good bad or a good bad moral. <laughs> <laughs> She's a good no. moral. <laughs> she was a radmoral. <laughs> yeah, she was a radmoral. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, moving along, uh, Culber was was in this episode for a little bit, and did we did we have any takeaways from that? I was just impressed that he didn't uh, tell Burnham to tell Giorgio to t about the value of taking mental health seriously. Like that, that was a that was a big moment for him. Uh, he he was just able to like he succeeded. Burnham knows that she should just talk to people about this now. You know, it just dawned on me. I think Giorgio is a prime example of the um, negative impact of toxic masculinity. 
Yeah. Because she kind of, she's kind of exemplifying that right now. We had a conversation in our church service this morning where they were talking about like the harm that toxic masculinity does to mm-hmm. men as mm-hmm. well, you know, but anyway, but I, that George O has a lot of that present in her character, I think. Well, and that's, a, that's actually an interesting point. Cause that's uh, the two characters that have been exemplifying that this season have been George O and Detmer, uh, where she, ta- she talks about like, well, pilot, you know, pilots were just macho, yep. uh, which yeah. Yeah. It's I, kind I, of I a think different that's... side of the same thing. Speaking of Detmer, we had Detmer throw in a little bit of a, a, a line there when they are looking at their new consoles being like, do we really need this? Where I was like, is that part of her kind of uh, PTSD again? And of course, she was blown over the console, which we think might have been one of the things that triggered this whole thing for her. So I wonder if that mm-hmm. was a little bit of it. Joanne, though, goes in and is like, look at this, so cool. And it's... Uh, the, it it might have caught her if, if she was falling over it this time. Right. Uh, the programmable matter like yeah. grabs her and puts her back down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something poetic about that, that she got traumatized by a console. Like how many times in Star Trek has <laughs> hey, have yeah, you has one of our heroes else? been almost blown up by a console? And they and, trust you know, him every finally single time. they're acknowledging the, the danger that consoles if, truly if, pose. If any of you had lived through when the original Xbox 360 had its red ring of death phase where like every third Xbox would fail, you would be traumatized by consoles too. <laughs> Just telling you. Uh, the consoles are the real enemy. I mean, they need like a whole fleet of therapists just to deal with, you know. I think so. Well, it's, that's the problem. You never it's, know when they're going to blow up in your face. Right. Never I was know. just going to say yeah. like, that's a, the Starfleet's Achilles heel is just like yeah. putting explosives in their consoles and like <laughs> pipes that like fall out the second your ship like shakes out of the ceiling like that's you know <laughs> that's a thing that this they just don't learn from also random rocks that show up in all their hallways yeah <laughs> <laughs> but anyway uh let's let's move on to strange new ratings because we're getting we, we have there's, there's some trivia but let's let's we're getting a little late so let's let's move into ratings who wants to stick their neck out give this episode a rating that i can throw into the spreadsheet I will give this one uh, um, six out of ten self-sealing stem bolts. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm gonna give it a three out of five, um, mostly because I'm just mad at it for like proving me wrong with with Burnham. I feel a little betrayed because I was a Burnham defender, and then. And maybe, maybe they'll they'll pull it back, you know, and and it'll all be good. So we'll see. Uh, I think I'm gonna actually go. Uh, since I was against the grain last time, I'll I'll go against the grain this time. Uh, I'm gonna give this one an eight. Uh, I think some of it is because of the context that it gave for the previous episode, as well as like finally, I feel like we have a criticism of Burnham that makes sense to me, like. I, I totally get that she shouldn't have done what she did this episode. Yes, but I also understand, like, the points that Vance made were like, yeah, it was still useful, so thank you for that. But, uh, yeah, so it, it there were there were consequences that made sense to me in this episode, and it expanded things pretty well. Uh, but, yeah, I, I get the other criticisms of it. Be a team player, Michael. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am going to give this 5.5 out of 10 
camera angles during Burnham and Book's kiss. Uh, <laughs> honestly, without that whole extended sequence where they where they had cuts to like different camera angles while they kiss, I would have probably given this like a six. But that just was so <laughs> cringy. Oh my god! Just let him kiss. And let's move on. It's okay. We don't need to be like this is an emotional Star Trek moment. We need to dwell on it. It didn't need to happen, y'all. It didn't need to happen anyway. Uh, okay. Well, with that, Emily, Adam, Phil, thank you for being here. And thank you. Thank Notch. you, Notch. Absolutely. No problem. Thank you, Rudy and Dinah and Max, wherever y'all are. Hope y'all are doing something super fun with your Sunday. Thank you, listener, for being here. And for those of you who leave us ratings on iTunes, we do appreciate that. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Thank you to Jishnu Guha, who created our theme music. He's got a podcast called Geek Fruit that you should check out if you so wish. By the way, my two-year-old thinks our theme music is awesome. So there's stamp of approval. (laughs) Should give us a five-star rating on iTunes. I know. Why hasn't that happened yet? <laughs> he needs to learn how to type. <laughs> we keep giving him the cell phone, and it, it still he's not managed to open up to iTunes. Oh, here, there's a radio that came in X, exclamation mark, number sign, J, L. Okay. Uh, special thanks also to Orion Justin Bieber for being there with his luscious locks and like showing us that you can make little YouTube videos even after the burn and become somebody who controls a space by chop of people whose heads are blown off by perimeter defenses. So that was, yeah. Thanks for being there, dude. All right. We will see you all next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.